to the Draft Nut Podcast. It's Jared Feinberg and Devin Jackson of BlueChipScouting.com, and we are your hosts for today's episode. I am currently calling from my phone or recording from my phone. My laptop is almost dead, so I don't want to put any more stress there. So Devin and I are going to talk about some college football from this past weekend. Um, I was at the Clemson-Georgia Tech game, well, at least the first half. Um, but I did listen in to the second half, went back and watched the second half um, yes, on Monday just to get a refresher of what happened. Um, so, Devin, I know you watched a lot of college football uh, this, past, uh, this past weekend. So tell me what you saw um, from your perspective. Like what, what interested you the most from Saturday? Well, uh, so apparently, well, not apparently, but, uh, just from, um, you know, just from watching the game, I think the most shocking game probably of Saturday was, uh, UCLA being upset by Fresno State. Uh, I watched that game, uh, pretty much from the second quarter on. It was a late night Pac-12 after dark game. Uh, so, so definitely love to see that kind of be back in the fold. Uh, but that was probably the most shocking one since, you know, considering how dominant UCLA has looked over the first couple weeks of the season. Obviously, they blew out Hawaii and then uh, they came back and uh, beat LSU, uh, you know, and, and then, you know, people thought, you know, maybe they are Pac-12 contenders, maybe national championship contenders. And then Oregon beat Ohio State last week. So we thought, you know, maybe it's a two team race. Uh, but Fresno State pulled out the win. Uh, it was one of the most impressive performances, performances I've seen from a quarterback this year in Jake Hayner. Uh, I, I jokingly said that he's QB1. I don't truly believe that, but it's kind of a, a bit at this point. But he played phenomenal. He had 455 passing yards, a couple touchdown tosses. Literally at the end of the game, he was limping downfield because he took a, a pretty nasty shot to the hip on the touchdown that put them ahead with like 2.55 left to go. Uh, then UCLA went down and scored, and then Fresno State scored with 14 seconds left to win the game. So uh, that, w- that was a game that kind of stood out to me. And then secondly will be the Alabama-Florida game. Uh, it was a lot closer than, uh, you know, the betting people thought it was going to be. Most people thought it was going to be. But Florida hung around. They stuck in. Uh, really shut down Alabama's offense in the second half, uh, specifically in the passing game. Kyrie Elam was fantastic. Uh, looked like a, a top three corner in this class um, and definitely played like it on Saturday. Uh, completely uh, shut down his matchup uh, whenever whoever he was matched up with, with John Mechie and, and sometimes Jamison Williams. So he looked really, really good. Um, and Alabama kind of just kind of took the foot off the gas in the second half. You know, Florida kept it close and, and was knocking on the door uh, late in the game before uh, they eventually pulled out the win. But, for Florida, it's very encouraging. You know, they, in that first half, they looked overmatched. Uh, they looked like they, uh, were going to get blown out after the first quarter, to be honest, but they fought back. Emory Jones played a decent game. Um, they could, they, they ran the ball really effectively in the second half, which helped them get, helped them get back in the game and then, uh, came up with some timely stops on defense. So, uh, it was very impressive for Florida. Uh, I think they are still, uh, a contender, at least in the the college football playoff, uh, they kind of hold their own destiny. They got to win out, and then obviously be Alabama, uh, most likely an SEC championship game. 
But uh, for, for Florida fans, you got to feel good about the performance they put in the second half. So uh, those are the kind of the two main things um, that that stood out to me in terms of uh, you know ranked teams uh, in in kind of ranked matchups or, or teams like that. And then obviously the nightcap with Penn State Auburn and went exactly how I thought it was going to go. Uh, I thought it was going to be a relatively modest scoring game, not crazy points put up. Uh, and I thought Penn State was going to win, and they did. Um, their defense is, is really good. One of the best units in college football, in my opinion. And, and they show that again. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, you know, for Bo Nix, he just didn't look like the, the guy that he looked like in the first two games. You know, just a lot of, uh, I won't say bad decisions, but questionable decisions. Uh, and, and just not pushing the ball down the field. Some of that's on Penn State's defense, shutting things down, but also, uh, Bo Nix missed a couple passes, you know, even even a crucial fourth and goal uh, tried to throw a, a goal line fade, which to me is, is still one of the worst calls in college football. It's not like the pros where, you know, it you can throw just back shoulder all day yeah, or whatnot. Perfect placement. And yeah. All that. Yeah. Know. College is so much so much margin for error. Score, right. Yeah. Um, I, I want to touch on Alabama, Florida. I wasn't able to watch that game because I was uh, at the Clemson game, but I went back and watched a little bit of that of Alabama, Florida. And what really surprised me was how well Florida really ran the football. I've not seen Alabama get this demolished in the run game in quite some time. Um, I, I know they gave up a bunch of rushing yards, I think, was it last year, I think, against um, Ole Miss, probably? Or I could be wrong, but, you know, seeing Alabama look so vulnerable on defense, especially in the run game, was really was really shocking. Um, I really wish Florida would have played Anthony Richardson a little bit. Um, I think it's kind of BS about the whole hamstring thing. Like, he was doing, like, flips and stuff. During pregame warmups, I mean, I mean, what? I don't know what Dan Mullen's goal is here. I don't know if he's like trying to keep Richardson safe, but I think Richardson probably would have given Florida a better chance at um, getting Florida over the top against Alabama on Saturday. Um, it, it just my opinion, and yes, Emory Jones he did fine, but I think Richardson just adds just that extra element like he is so explosive and also he is a talented passer as well um and we have seen over the last couple weeks he can be a very explosive weapon um at quarterback um like he was running by defenders a couple weeks ago like no one's business he was making big throws last week against us uh, not usc um uh, South Florida, you know, he he has the talent. I wish Dan Mullen could have utilized that against Alabama, but he decided to go with Emory Jones and say, oh, you know, Anthony Richardson had a hamstring. Bullshit. That's, what, that's all I'm saying there. Um, but I think there is a recipe to how to beat Alabama. You have to run the ball. If you have a good backfield, run the damn rock and just run it consistently establish the run game. And then if you have a good passing attack, throw the ball really, I mean, make sure you're 
creating misdirection, getting the linebacker, getting the second-level defenders confused, all that, creating space for your receivers, for your targets. And I will say in two weeks, there's an offense that Alabama's defense will be playing that does that very well, and that's the Ole Miss Rebels. That will be a game that I think everyone will be paying attention to. I really hope it's a night game. Um, it, it may not be. I think it is on CBS at 3.30. Um, but if it's a night game, it will be a very, very fun game to watch. Um, I think Ole Miss has a really good shot at beating Alabama in two weeks. Um, and I, I want to move to Matt Corral real quick, and I just want to appreciate how well he's improved in terms of him as a decision maker. You know, that was one of the bigger flaws in his game from last year was his decision making. He was not he was reckless with the football. Um, he had multiple five plus interception games. Um, and you know, that, that something that a lot of people were harping on him was the decision making, but he had the talent. Now he's starting to really put it together and he is making a case to as a Heisman contender. So when, when you see Corral do this stuff, it's, it really opens up the QB1 race for 2022. And when that happens, you know, Spencer Rattler hasn't been playing that great. Sam Howell has struggled some, though he's had two good games over the past two weeks. But also you have Malik Willis from Liberty, who's balling out, who's looked improved from last year. Um, So the whole QB1 race is now wide open. And, if Matt Corral puts up the same type of performance he did against Alabama, but he does it in a better way with in a hostile environment like in Tuscaloosa in two weeks, that puts Corral on a good path towards the Heisman. But they still have to play Texas A&M. I think they play have to play Arkansas. Let me double check the schedule real quick. Um, but I know they have to play a couple other ranked opponents um, down the stretch. Um, I was looking at Ole Miss's schedule. Uh, they do play LSU down down the stretch. Um, I don't know how. I, I don't know if LSU will be much improved down the down the, down the stretch anyway. Um, give me a second here to pull it up. So. After Alabama, they play Arkansas. They're currently ranked. Um, they Arkansas plays Texas A&M this weekend. That should be one of the top games this week. They play LSU and Auburn um, late in October. Then they have Liberty. That will be the game to watch between Willis and Corral. Then they have Texas A&M on November 13th. Um, and then, of course, they have Miss, Mississippi State in the rivalry game um, on November 25th. So there is a path for Matt Corral and the Ole Miss Rebels to get to the SEC championship. It's just they have to beat Alabama. They also have to beat some pretty solid teams. Arkansas, great defense. LSU is still getting better, but I think LSU still has a ways to go. They're not that great of a football team. Um, Auburn, I think, will be back in the top 25 by – uh, by the time October 30th rolls around, um, 
the Liberty game and Texas A&M. Those are two games I'm circling after the Alabama game to really like focus on. But I think Ole Miss has a really good shot at beating Alabama. And if they do beat Alabama, they, they, the path is clear for them, but they just have to win those crucial games. But Matt Corral looks so good right now. But again, I, I, I want to see how he does against Alabama's defense, who will probably be pissed off that they gave up so many yards against the run um, against Florida. I think Bama will be fine, but that will be something to watch. Yeah, Matt Corral's looked really, really good this year. Obviously, we want to kind of see him in in how he looks, um, you know, in terms of against SEC defenses, because, you know, he looked, he looked good last year as well, you know, against some of those, uh, those lesser opponents, those teams that, uh, you know, kind of be up on in the SEC, but at the same time, uh, I mean, he looked good against Alabama last year, but it was an Arkansas game that was an issue. It was the LSU game last year that was an issue. Yeah. So, uh, that's going to be a couple games to, to look forward to in terms of how well he's going to play. Because uh, I think he's going to play well against Bama. You know, Lane Kiffin, it, he finds ways to score points against Bama. It doesn't matter, you know, how good their defense is. He's going to find ways to score. But it's going to be more about their defense and whether or not they can hold up. Because, I mean, they've held up pretty pretty nicely in these first few weeks. But, you know, when, when you're playing a team like Alabama or Arkansas, they've shown their, the ability to do so as well, create explosive plays. Like, how are you going to be able to, to counteract that? You know, uh, you know, later in the game, you know, once Alabama's kind of switching to more running the football downhill. So for Corral, the decision making has been good thus far. Um, while the competition hasn't been exactly at the level of like Alabama, you know, uh, some of those other teams in SEC, uh, you want you want to see good decision making against anybody. So I think he's definitely a candidate right now uh, for Malik Willis. I think he's he's made some improvement. Um, I haven't got to watch him in depth, but I know that he's still missing a few throws down the field that, that are, are easy give-me throws. So you still want to see him kind of improve in that department and, and continue to hit on those. But we really won't see him in the national spotlight until Liberty plays Ole Miss later this year, and I believe in November. So uh, he's going to be someone to kind of keep away and, and keep keep an eye on, uh, specifically because they're really not. I think they're play, I think they play Syracuse this weekend, but other than that, I think the next Power Five opponent they'll play um, will, will be uh, Ole Miss. So I think you know there is obviously worth keeping an eye on eye on uh, in terms of his stock, uh, but I think you won't really get to see you know what. I don't want to say one game is going to really decide his stock, but I think if he goes out and perform well, perform performs well against Ole Miss, I think that will help. So I think those two guys are, are definitely in the QB one consideration. Uh, and then obviously you have to to mention Carson Strong. I think he has some consideration as well. Uh, so quarterback class is still kind of being worked out. Probably won't have an answer until late in the draft process in terms of who's going to be QB one at this point. Cause I, I don't see anybody really running away with it. Just how much, just based on the first three, four weeks of the season, obviously things can change, but no one's really taken. I think the commanding lead thus far. I want to move on to Clemson Tigers. Um, and I really want to highlight their struggles offensively. Um, I was at the Clemson game Saturday against Georgia tech. Um, for the first half, 
um, up until the lightning delay struck and, you know, waiting around, see if, you know, I could maybe stay towards maybe the third or fourth quarter um, and then head on back back to Asheville. Um, but, you know, as the lightning delay got longer, I was like, I'm not staying here much longer. Um, and I had stuff going on the next um, the next morning to deal with as well. And I didn't want to be kind of dragging myself throughout the morning on Sunday. So I ended up leaving early, um, still listened to the radio call um, from the Clemson game. And that was probably the one of the more stressful drives um, I've had in a while. Not the driving part, but more the listening parts when it comes to listening to the Tigers game. Um, I have major concerns with Clemson's offense. Um, I DJ Uyongale, it I think we, we all know he's very talented. But I think he is missing though he's missing a Cornell Powell or a Marty Rogers type of player. He's got got he he doesn't have guys that can consistently separate against coverage. Um Justin Ross is an average separator. Uh, Joseph Nagata, he's okay. Um, he, he's continuing to increase his draft stock, but Nagata's probably just as equal of a route runner as Justin Ross. Um, Ajo Ajo, um, I think their sophomore receiver, he's made some plays, but you know, it's all jump balls. It's all, those are the type of guys they have at wide receiver right now. Their best player offensively right now is Will Shipley, the true freshman running back, who I have already said I think he is Christian McCaffrey 2.0. I think he's that good. Um, the off, the offense is a, it's just a mess. It's a work in progress, like Davos Sweeney said in a press conference. It's definitely a work in progress. Um, the offensive line is just – it's not as good as it's been in the past. Um and I will say, Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne did a great job at masking the issues offensively. But I think it also helped Trevor out that he had two receivers that could separate consistently against coverage, Cornell Powell and Amari Rogers, both players that could have role, some pretty good roles for their team, for their respective NFL teams down the road. Amari Rogers with the Packers, Cornell Powell with the Kansas City Chiefs. So it's Clemson, I think, will end up figuring out their offense um, as the season goes on. But DJ is going to have to learn how to really fit better balls into tight windows and has to start learning to trust his receivers, even if they're not creating separation. I'd like to see Will Shipley used more in the passing game, but – Tony Elliott's offense is becoming more and more predictable by the year. Um, and I think last year his offense was pretty predictable, but this year um, with Yui Angale at quarterback, it's become a, very predictable because of the lack of guys that can consistently separate against coverage um, that they have. Um, I want to see if they can involve Will Taylor, their 
true freshman punt returner who's uber talented um, and also was drafted in the first round of the MLB draft to the Chicago Cubs. So they have an uber talented, um, uber athlete, um, all all around player, Will Taylor, who could have a role with the team, kind of like a Hunter Renfro slot role um, down the road, maybe not this year, maybe later this year, if Clemson really needs his help, or probably over the next couple of years. But Clemson doesn't really improve their offense. It, it's not it's not going to be pretty this year. They they are at great risk of missing the college football playoff for the first time since 2015, I believe. Um, the year they made the uh, college football playoff national championship for the first time. Um, so I think NC State's got a shot to upset Clemson this weekend. Um, and like I want to be wrong, but I am not encouraged by this offense um, at all. But I will say Clemson has arguably a top three defense in college football. Um, I mean, they're not really giving up many yards. They're not giving up many points. Um, I think they've given up, I'm trying to think, maybe less than 20 points. In the last, gosh, three games at least. And yet their offense has been struggling to really score, um, excluding the S, um, the South Carolina State game. So I think Clemson's defense will help this offense out a lot. But the offense has really got to start getting in rhythm. It, it's definitely a work in progress. And I really hope by the end of the season – it's improved. It's gotten better. Yui Angolais really settled in and started to make good throws, all that. But it, it it just does not look good, man. It does not. Yeah, I didn't really get a chance to look at the Georgia Tech game in depth. Uh, but, you know, yeah, like you said, you know, it, it's not encouraging to see them, you know, only drop 14 on Georgia Tech, I understand kind of the conditions of the game was definitely weird, uh, you know, taking that couple hour break in between games. But, uh, you know, you know, when you look at their schedule, I mean, uh, really until maybe later in the season, I mean, the, their biggest game probably over the next couple of weeks is, is going to be this one, uh, with NC State, yeah. you know, in terms of comparable, uh, quarterback, I won't say comparable quarterback talent, but comparable to where they can stick around and, and possibly win the game. You know, it's at NC yeah. State as well. Uh, so they're going to be juiced up for that game, uh, pretty much. So it's going to be interesting to see how they respond because adversity is going to hit. You know, this is, I believe this is their first true road game this year since they played yeah. the, the Duke's Mayo Classic in, in game one and had two home games back to back. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how the team responds, um, you know, kind of similar to what Alabama had to go through uh, to, to a lesser degree for Clemson because NC State isn't as good as Florida or Bama. But it's going to be a hostile environment. You know, it's going to be probably a sold out crowd. People want to see NC State try and knock off Clemson. So might be some early adversity that they, they're going to have to overcome. But I mean, when you look at their schedule, I mean, maybe the. 
Pittsburgh or Louisville game later in the season might give him some trouble. But, uh, I mean, other than this weekend and with Boston College losing Phil Dracovic uh, last week uh, due to injury, and he's done for the season most likely, uh, those are going to be some of the hardest games. I mean, Pitt has a, a pesky quarterback in Kenny Pickett, but their defense wasn't able to stop Western Michigan. So is, is going to be there's going to be a few games here and there for Clemson this year that they're going to keep an eye on. Uh, to to make sure that they they can pull it out, but I mean they have the talent to to w- run through the ACC again and get to the ACC championship once again. It'll just be about them finishing games and and being able to handle the opponents as opposed to. But this weekend is definitely going to be interesting for sure. Uh, to to watch Clemson NC State battle. I want to see Devin Leary how he looks against Clemson's defense, uh, a pretty tough defense. So it'll be interesting to see how how that game shakes out. Does Clemson make the college football playoff? Um, I think it would be hard not to see them making it, uh, just because they they've made it. I don't really see them losing. I feel like the only reason they would lose is in the ACC championship game if they went against like North Carolina or somebody like that. But if it's not North Carolina representing the opposite side of the ACC. I, I don't see them losing, and I, I see them making a college football playoff. You you also have to consider though um, the Pac-12, um, Oregon, how well they've played. Um, they're currently ranked in the top five. I think they are ranked number three in the country. Um, you also have to consider the Big Ten and what could happen, what could transpire between. Iowa, Penn State, and Ohio State. Um, you can also, I'm not saying they can, but you can also include Michigan in that race too. Hell, Georgia and Alabama, those are probably going to be the two teams in at the moment because, well, they'll probably play each other in the SEC championship unless Alabama um, just has a, some, ends up losing to Ole Miss and loses, potentially loses another game down the road or they lose to Ole Miss, and they lose the SEC championship. So that is something we'll be keeping an eye on. Um, you can also say Cincinnati has a chance to make the college football playoff, especially if they beat Notre Dame um, and they run the table the rest of the season. Um, so it, I think – I feel like the whole college football playoff this year is just wide open right now. You don't know who is going to be in that final four. Um, it, it could be anyone, you know. For all we know, you know, we could see Iowa as one of the final four teams. Cincinnati is the three seed. Georgia is the two seed. And Oklahoma is the one. Oklahoma, another team. But I don't know if Oklahoma has really shown enough to prove that they can be in the college football playoff because they've had some scares over the last – uh, to the last three weeks. So that's something you have to keep an eye on, um, especially as you get closer, to, as you get to the Red River rivalry. So, you know, sure, Clemson has, Clemson still has a good shot, but it's going to be a lot tougher with how well other conferences have been doing, especially teams like Oregon, Iowa, Penn State, um, Georgia, Alabama, Cincinnati. I mean, you got all those teams. They have 
probably equal of a shot to make the college football playoff at this moment. But it'll be interesting to see how everything transpires with Clemson. If Clemson starts getting on a roll offensively and they start blowing out teams by 20, 30 points every week, um, possibly starting this weekend, then sure, put them in the college football playoff. But I don't see them in the national championship. That's just me, though. Yeah, I mean, unless they have a massive improvement on the offensive side of the ball, it's going to be very difficult to see them, uh, you know, competing against Bama or Georgia uh, if they play them again or, uh, you know, even Oregon to some degree because they, they should have Kayvon Thibodeau back uh, by then. So it'll be interesting to watch for sure. Uh, I mean, I, I'm never going to count them out because, I mean, they always find a way to make make it to the playoff, even even right. when they're, you know, don't look good at the start of the season. They figure things out, but uh, this team is, is definitely, uh, definitely in need of, of major improvement. Uh, and they're gonna need DJ to play uh, at, at a very high level for them to compete for national for a national championship if they make it to the playoff. Uh, last thing I want to talk about is Penn State um, and the say the Big Ten right now. Um, I wish we could have brought on Dante Colinelli, our uh, Big Ten scout for the Blue Chip Scouting Department, um, for this conversation, but um, can't really do that. Sorry, Dante. Um, but I want to talk about the Big Ten, Penn State's big win over Auburn um, on wideout night. Um, I was really impressed with Penn State, especially on defense. Um I think this team has improved a lot since last year, and I kind of just want to throw Penn State's year from last year just out the window. Like, don't even think about it. Um, yes, they started 0-5. They didn't play great last year, but it was a weird year with COVID starting in, like, late October, um, not having a lot of games played and all. So, you know, I, I, I think – Penn State has made a case to be in the Big Ten Championship and possibly have a shot at beating Ohio State this year. Um, they will be on the road um, at Ohio State. So, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see how Penn State continues to respond. Um, that Penn State-Ohio State game will be a big determining factor of who in the, who in that division in Big Ten Championship makes the Big Ten um, title game, Penn State or Ohio State. Heck, maybe even Penn State and Michigan than Michigan and Ohio State, assuming Michigan beats Penn State. So this is going to be – all of this is going to be really interesting to watch. Um over the next several weeks as we get closer to these matchups. But I feel like the Big Ten right now looks pretty wide open, especially when you have three teams in the top ten, Iowa, Penn State, Ohio State. Ohio State has to get better on defense. Um, Their offense is fine, um, and they're probably going to be riding on the back of um, true freshman running back uh, Travion Henderson. And I'm expecting C.J. Stroud to, you know, continue to improve each week. He has struggled, yes, um, but he has been very productive. 
Um, he, he is not, I hate how people have tried to think, oh, he's going to do the same thing Justin Fields did while when Fields was at Ohio State. C.J. Stroud is nowhere close to Justin Fields from a talent perspective. Stroud is talented. But in terms of talent level between him and Fields, it's not even close. It's Fields. So Stroud is a very young, talented quarterback who's got Quinn, who's got a um, generational five-star talent breathing down his neck. And if Stroud has a couple bad games, you can see Quinn Ewers in starting in a game or Kyle McCord, you know? So Stroud has to continue to improve. The defense has to continue to be better, um, be in the right spots. The defensive coaching has to be better. Um, I have a hard time seeing Ohio State making the playoffs this year um, at this moment because it just things don't look great at all. They're going to find a way to pull out um, plenty of these games, but there's going to be concern among the college football playoff committee about how close they came to losing a lot of the early games and their loss against Oregon. That'll definitely play a factor. They still have to play Penn State, Michigan State. Michigan State's going to be a tough game, I think. Um, They also had to play Michigan. I think that game is in the big house, I believe. So, you know, you got some tough games ahead of you. If you're Ohio State, you got to start figuring shit out now or you're you're not going to be in a great spot in several weeks. So it's something we'll definitely have to keep an eye on moving forward. Um, as for Penn State, I think their road is pretty clear. All they have to do is beat Michigan and Penn, and, um, and Ohio State. I think it's possible. Um, and I think Michigan's path to a potential Big Ten or even playoff appearance is clear. They have to beat the – they have to win out. They have to. They If they lose one game, they're done. And Jim Harbaugh's seat gets warmer, much warmer. Um, Iowa has a good shot, but we'll have to see how that plays out throughout the season. So, to me, I just feel like the Big Ten has become more wide open. There's more chances for teams like Iowa, Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan to make the college football playoff. Some teams but potentially in the Big Ten that could really shock like maybe Michigan State um, could ruin Michigan or Ohio State or Penn State's chances at making the college football playoff. That's certainly a possibility. So I think this is, this is something we'll have to keep keep an eye on for the rest of the season because the Big Ten has become pretty exciting, um, especially as we get closer towards um, midseason and once we get later into the season. Yeah, Penn State, uh, and, well, the Big Ten in general, I think is going to be very interesting, uh, in terms of how it shakes out. I think this could be a year where a one loss Big Ten team could get in, even though, you know, cause I mean, I'm looking at all their schedules. I, it's, it's going to be tough for whoever wins the Big Ten, simply put. I yeah. mean, Penn State has, I mean, I know Indiana is kind of down this year, but they play Indiana and Iowa in back to back weeks. Then, you know, you got um, 
Ohio State later in October. I'm just looking at Penn State's schedule. Um, then November, you got Michigan and Michigan State. So they're going to have to play some really good football multiple Saturdays. You know, they can't really have yep. an off weekend. So I think when you look at like each team's path, it, it's going to be about getting those quality wins. And I think right now, I would give Ohio State the edge to win out because when you look at their schedule, they don't have to play Iowa. Uh, they they play Michigan State, Michigan in back-to-back weeks. But other than those three games, I mean, they don't really have a super challenging conference uh, kind of run, so to speak. Like, it's pretty much – Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan is going to come down to their season. If they can beat those three teams, they're easily making it to the Big Ten Championship. And really, their first test is going to be Penn State. So it's going to be interesting to see because Penn State is going to be battle-tested. They would have already played two ranked teams this year um, once they face Ohio State. So that game is going to be even more interesting. I think it's it's probably the most anticipated Big, Big Ten uh, game between these two teams since 2017 uh, yeah. when Ohio State came back down. I think they were like down 21 or something like that. And then, you yeah. know, they ended up winning on the game when a touchdown. That's when they still had Saquon Barkley. So I think that's it's going to be the most anticipated game since that, I would say. And I know 2018 they had the, you know, the Penn State quarterback draw. But I think, you know, that game really wasn't um, – it was close, you know, and it went, came down to the end. But I, I think – Really, uh, the 2017 game is, is kind of the obviously 2016 and 2017 games are, are the most memorable between the two teams. But I, I look at those two teams. I think those two teams are the front runners. I think Iowa is going to make it to the Big Ten championship either way. I just think yeah. they're a better team than Wisconsin. But it's going to be about if they can beat number one, Wisconsin, and then number two, Penn State. So I think. Penn State can survive and make it to the, the college football playoff even if they lose to Iowa because there's a chance they would play them again, if that makes sense. Yeah. But Ohio State really has very little margin for error because if they lose – it doesn't matter. If they lose either of those three games, then their resu- the, those teams' resumes are going to matter. So Michigan yeah. ends up falling off a cliff and they how say somehow loses to Michigan. That's going to look terrible. Or Michigan State, which I think probably are going to fall off the cliff a little bit. I don't think they're going to be horrible this year, but I don't think they're going to they're kind of overachieving right now is what I think. But right. It's going to be very important for Ohio State to take care of business if they were to lose to Penn State. Like they they can't the only game they really can afford to lose is Penn State and still possibly make it to the college football playoff but they need a lot to go well actually never mind i took that back because i forgot they lost to oregon array so if they lose yeah i think at any point this season uh at the rest of the season they're pretty much done but for penn state they they have a really good opportunity i think they can lose one game and still be fine uh but but i look at michigan and i I just want to see them play against a formidable opponent you know washington was supposed to be their kind of challenging game, but Washington just isn't going to be and then good they this mo- year. they lost to Montana. I mean, you lose to yeah. Montana to start the year, and you lose to Montana bad, like yeah. the way they did. I don't want to remind Ben Glassmeyer about that. Sorry, buddy, but 
you start out with a lawsuit FCS Montana, you know the year's going to be bad, especially the way you played against an FCS opponent. So, but yeah, I see. I think Michigan State there there is a shot for them. They have to, and like you said, they have to play a very formidable team um, down the stretch. Um, and if they can prove they can hang or even really play well against a formidable formidable team, they have a, they have some eyeballs like, hey, they if they went out, you know, they went out, they beat Ohio State finally, they beat Penn State, they went out the rest of the schedule, they win the Big Ten title. Is Michigan the college football playoff? I would say yes. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at their their schedule now. It's really, like I said, it's really going to come down to them playing well week in and week out. And we just have seen them not do that in the past where they – I think there was only one year that they entered the – I think the Ohio State game, they only had one loss. I think that was – I want to say 16 or 7 – I think it was 17 16. or 18. It was 16, I believe. I remember that game very yeah. vividly. Yeah. Yes. So they really have to take care of business. I mean, they they play a tough Rutgers team this week, and then next week they'll play Wisconsin. So it's going to be, what do they look like once they play against decent teams? You know, what are they going to be able to do offensively? Because, I mean, they've been running through everybody they played so far, which is good, and you're supposed to do that. But now can you do it against your yeah, uh, you know your conference. So, I think I think it really comes down to a three-team race. I think Iowa is going to be there at the end, no matter what. But yeah. it's going to be about what those other teams do. You know, Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. Because I, I like Michigan State. I think what they're doing is is really nice. But I just don't see that type of play being sustainable. Like yeah. the the other two teams, the other couple teams have. Probably a little bit better quarterback quarterbacking. I know Peyton Thorne has played really, really well, but it's not really battle tested. Sean Clifford's yeah. battle tested. You know, CJ Stroud will be by the time they get towards the end of the season. Uh, K. McNamara is probably going to get there as well. So it'll be interesting to watch for sure. I, I think it's probably the, like you said, the most wide open the Big Ten has been in, in quite some time because Ohio State is vulnerable. It's simply put, yeah. they're vulnerable. You know, their defense is vulnerable, and if they can't stop Oregon, I don't know if they're going to stop Penn State because they, they had no answer for Jahan Dotson last year, and they didn't get any better at corner, you know, and and they can't stop the run right now. Um, So it, it's going to be interesting for sure to, to watch, and, and I'm very intrigued to see the Ohio State-Penn State matchup. I think that's really going to be the, the determinant on how the Big Ten goes this year. I was going to say about Michigan that, you know, you Michigan can be so one-dimensional. Um, and I think we've known this ever since Jim Harbaugh became head coach. They like to run the ball really well and play great defense. But in today's age of college football, sometimes that's just – it's not going to get it done. So I feel like if Michigan – Michigan just doesn't need to be one-dimensional. That's their goal. If their quarterback can 
if they can rely on their quarterback to make the throws necessary to help them in the passing game and put them over the top, then I think Michigan has a good shot. Um, I think they still have a great shot regardless because of their run game and their defense, um, led by Aiden Hutchinson, who will probably end up being a top 15, top 20 pick um, in the 2022 draft. So, yeah, Big Ten's wide open. Um, I'm really excited about that. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing if Oregon can um, sustain their success um, that they have had early on in the season. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how Clemson does throughout the rest of the year, if they can improve offensively. Defensively, I don't have any concerns. Um, I want to see if Cincinnati can really win out um, and and attempt to make the college football playoff. Um, and I want to see how the SEC shakes out. That's going to be really interesting to watch, and also the Big 12. But we all know Oklahoma is probably the team in that conference. I mean, they they have a shot at making the college football playoff, but they haven't impressed me enough to for me to consider them in the playoff right now. So that's just me. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, if you guys missed the live stream from yesterday, please go on YouTube and rewatch it. We also have a replay up on the Blue Chip Scout, uh, on the Blue Chip Scouting Twitter account, at Blue Chip Scout. Uh, make sure you guys go check that out. Give us a follow on Twitter, um, at DraftNut, um, at DraftNut Podcast, and follow, um, of course, follow the Blue Chip Scouting uh, YouTube channel uh, or subscribe to them. Um, I can't think this afternoon. Long day at school. Um, but guys, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Uh, follow us on Spotify. Um, make sure you give us a review, five stars, all that. Uh, we, we really appreciate it and we'll see you guys soon. Peace.